0: Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 123, and in this show, we chat with Warwick and Chris of Launch Control. We all watch it, we all love it, and even if it's all about Subaru, they've been very good at telling good stories about our sport over the years. However, Launch Control is changing, and Warwick and Chris are going to tell us all about why. So grab a cold one and join us at the bar for another round of the Rallycast. Hello, I'm your host Mike Shaw, so summer is upon us, which means lots of yard work, family events, and dusty rally stages. So yeah, the former is one reason why I've been away for so long, got some family stuff been dealing with, but uh, hey, got a fishing trip in, which was really cool, and caught a salmon. Wanted to get more, but not as many as I would have liked, but cedar plank salmon on the grill, man. Delicious. All right, enough about that though. Dust. Obviously New England Forest Rally was a week ago. Lots of comments coming in from that about the dust. Not really a lot that we haven't heard before. Um, Maybe it was a little more vocal this time, but the complaints about dust have always been there. We know that this can be a big advantage with these events with maximum entries that we've had, making everybody two-minute dust windows. For, let's say, 75 cars, you just can't do it. It's it's literally logistically impossible with uh, the time that it takes You know, for some of the permits. We don't have that much time for the roads or a, a variety of other reasons that extending those would be difficult. Heck, over in the UK, they have, what, their cars run every 30 seconds? That's how they're able to run. 150, 180 cars in, in some of their rallies. So part of that is all based on the timing between the cars running a stage. Granted, obviously a little more moist over there than it is here, but yeah, dust. It, it is a challenge. From what I saw of the imagery and videos, I don't know if adding an extra dust minute for the Hoonigan guys and, and everybody behind would have made a huge difference. I, I saw what looked like zero wind, not even a little bit and when you get that fine dust in the air, especially between the trees, it, it just doesn't go anywhere for many minutes. So one more minute would have made a change in the denser areas of the trees? No, I don't think it would. In maybe some of the areas where it opens up a little bit? Maybe. It just looked like it was just dead hot air that wasn't moving anywhere, and I don't know. I can see, see the difficulty in, in making that change. Although in this case, it does sound like there was uh, maybe a little more room since so few cars were at that last stage could there have been a way to reorganize that i'm not sure communication is always the key to being able to do that stuff and honestly events here in the states you know it's It's tough. We have uh, very limited communication capabilities to get like volunteers suddenly to change up what they're doing and whatnot. Kind of different than we have for like WRC and whatnot, where I think they have like specific WRC people run a lot of their stages. So it's not all volunteer run. And so that makes it a little bit different in being able to adapt to change just more knowledgeable people and stuff. So anyways, I wasn't there. I can only hypothesize a bit about what happened. What I do plan on having is a guest that you'll hear from soon that will tell us what it was exactly like so we'll hear from them instead of me speculating based on just images I saw so aside from all that can we not just bask in the awesomeness that we had an event that one second (laughs) less than one second is what it came down to and the fact that the final stage decided the winner I mean that's still pretty cool It, it happens fairly rarely we've actually had a few of those I think in the last few in the last few years which is rare that we've seen it as frequently as we have, and I I think it's just very cool to see those kinds of rarities. Heck, it was like uh, at OTR we had at the end of day one, exact to the tenth of a second times for Brandon Semenuk and Travis Vistrana, right? It's just wild that after miles of competing, it can still be that close uh, when you're not doing like a side-by-side type of racing, so I thought that was kind of neat. And (laughs) you have to hand it to uh, the fact that we had the national two-wheel drive overall for the two-wheel drive won by a limited two-wheel drive Yaris, right? I mean, that car has been around a long time. We all know it's not the fastest, but, you know, there's definitely a tortoise versus the hare kind of thing that was going on. It it, it was pretty cool, but we'll do a proper NEFR recap soon. And I do need to apologize to K.J. Miller as his podcast, which I have uh, mostly edited, but not uploaded yet, and need to get it out uh, soon but this one had a deadline. So sorry, KJ, yours is next up, I promise. Anyway, it's all about launch control right after this message from our supporters. Go, five right short over crest into second small press 40, Pull F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, advanced rally training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. 40. And welcome back to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And with us, as we stated in our opener, is the gentleman from Launch Control. It is Christopher Bose and Warwick Patterson. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Starting with you, Chris.
1: Oh, I'm super good. Super happy to be here.
0: And Warwick, how are you doing this evening?
1: Excellent, excellent. It's a nice sunny
2: afternoon in BC.
0: It is definitely sunny and is sunny and hot. Uh, well, we consider anything pretty much above 80 hot here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> we whine so much. It's <laughs> hilarious. And so that is why my beverage of choice for this call is, um, I had a Portland uh, cider, their crangerine, because it's nice and refreshing on an 89 degree day. But the main thing is, is this is, uh, New England Forest Rally weekend and I have, uh, one of their trophy mugs that they had. The uh from what was it twenty eighteen, doing the forest rally mug that I poured it in. So there you go.
1: Very nice. I'm opening I've got a Sleeman's original genuine draft. Anyone from Canada would know this. It's a classic. I don't know if you get much of it in the US, but it, it was a very popular beer in Ontario, which is where I grew up, which is actually where I am right now, uh, visiting my parents. In my childhood basement right now, surrounded by pictures of me as a young boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Gloating in the world of you. <laughs>
1: it's, it's amazing and awkward all at the same time.
0: Right? <laughs> and now you're a dad, and you've got kids, and next thing you know, you're going to have the basement full of pictures of them.
1: And the one thing that hasn't changed is that I'm still drinking my dad's
0: beer. So hey, <laughs> so is this more of a lager type thing? Kind of like, you know, in the States, we'd have like, you know, old Milwaukee, kind of like a real basic kind of thing like there. Or is it uh, a yeah. more of a regional, like a, I guess, smaller production type of brew?
1: No, this is a national brand that anyone in Canada would probably know. It's 5%. It's it's a draft logger. Yeah, it's better than a Coors Light, but it's, it's not a craft
0: beer. You know, I always liked Labatt. Yep. Labatt Blue is always good.
1: This is a tastier Labatt, so it's a pretty good way of Okay, it. Like,
0: I could go with that. I could go with that.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's hot here. It's, you know, I don't know what you guys talk about when you say 80 degrees or whatever. It's 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 a 30-degree day here in Canada, in Ontario, so it's a... You know, metric a, things. Yeah, it's a worthy drink for a hot day. It's good.
0: Well, work, uh, as you know, 30 degrees, that's, uh, you know, you, you got to make sure, you know, you maybe you don't have all the fuel in the airplane to take off.
2: Well, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm the boring one of the bunch today. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't really drink anymore, drink alcohol. So I'm drinking a Beck's non-alcoholic. Thanks to my father-in-law from Germany, they just left and they left the fridge full of non-alcoholic beer. So
0: <laughs> it's refreshing just the same. I've heard that's pretty good. I, I think I've tried it once, but it was a long time ago. But you know, as long as it's refreshing and and it suits your taste, there's nothing wrong with it. Yep. You know, I'm I'm so old these days. If I drink too much, I just get tired. I don't even really get a lot out of it. I just like the flavor. So I have like one and I'm good.
2: Yeah, and I found too like this wasn't the reason why I stopped drinking, but and I didn't have a drinking problem. But uh, uh, with flying in Canada, it's twelve hours bottle oh, throttle. Right. So if I have a drink at say eight p.m., I can't go flying before eight a.m. the next day. So.
0: Yep, that's very true. U.S. is the same way. Yeah, I've got to watch out. I just have young
1: children, so you can't. Yeah, you he dream more. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's going to be the one's like, oh, man, those kids. Hand me another. <laughs>
1: that's 6.15. That's that shows up real fast.
0: <laughs> so thank you for joining for the drinking podcast. Uh, <laughs> Beers and rally. That's, that's true. I mean, they do kind of go hand in hand. So let's talk launch control. Uh, I mean, you guys wrapped up uh season nine it's out there wow what a season and things are changing uh as was recently released uh, we saw on dirt fish and whatnot uh with launch control i guess the to start off with you know reflect on you know nine seasons and does it get any better than what you had for a subaru finish there
2: yeah who knew nine years or ten years ago almost now oh you guys scripted it yeah
1: every year it went to script so they did a good job Uh listen we both have mortgages so we have to stretch it out so that's what we're doing (laughs) exactly yeah no honestly nine years was, um, was amazing and um an unbelievable journey and not a simple journey so you know you're kind of at the mercy of the team over nine years and if they succeed then it's the best season of all time if they don't succeed then it's the worst season of all time and, and to be honest we didn't have any worst seasons of all time but it it has been a journey to get to the end of season nine i i just thought season nine was a powerhouse season for us because uh, a lot of uh, magical things aligned and you know we got just the right story at the right time and you know there was some redemption stories with scott breaking his back and Travis wanting to be taken seriously and rally cross and the team having worked so hard over so many years to kind of pull that program to the top and and getting there and putting the right pieces in place. And, you know, you, you put all that together and, and then you couple it with a, a new series and the hardest competition they've ever had with a lot of Europeans, the Hansen brothers and so on. And, you know, you just kind of get this magical sauce. And if they, if they pull it off when they pull it off and when they did pull it off you just had this story that we warwick and i and the team and everyone had been chasing for nine years to try to get the team that set out to win two championships in two different dipl- disciplines and actually like concluding that story and making it happen and you know everyone on that team is out there getting that and we were hunting for that same thing just from a different perspective so for us it was a uh, a relief in some ways to having done it you know we we actually did that and completed it and it uh, uh, was also a relief that it was so compelling and, and we felt that way and people felt that way and we've had a lot of a lot of positivity from that so it's been it's been really cool
2: yeah very early on well the reason we started launch control was because rallycross was in its infancy it wasn't that good. Um, Subaru wasn't doing well because all these Europeans who had been doing it for a long time were coming over mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, we need to tell the backstory. We need to build a fan base from, take the fan base from rally and give it to rally cross and vice versa. And yeah, right from the beginning, it was like, Hey, this is the long journey we're going on. We need to tell the story because it's not going to be all roses off the start. And then finally, nine years later after trying the, the rally stories have been coming along and there's some great endings there. But that rally cross and the dual championship was kind of the pinnacle that everybody was striving for. And finally, nine seasons in, uh, they did it. We were there to cover it. And then we were kind of like, OK, where do we go from here?
0: And from a, a viewer standpoint, you know, just a fan that I am, it's been great to see also, you know, through those you know more challenging seasons all, all the way up through, you know, the, this past season. Also, how well the stories have developed. Of uh, more of the crew are more comfortable talking on camera, and you get that story right from the background more than maybe in the in, that you had in the, versus the earlier seasons. And it's just it's just such a compelling thing to watch and to see that all kind of culminate together. That everybody's kind of in on this and, and helping make this great story, right? Yeah, it's funny the um,
2: the first year was amazing because everybody just said everything they were thinking on camera. And then in year two, everybody realized, like, oh, everything I say could be on camera. <laughs> so, so in some ways, they shut down. Right. Um, yeah. In, sub- was- in sub- subsequent years. But Chris and the editors and us in the field, we learned how to craft a story. And and the people we learned who were able to tell those stories well. So, yeah, I think our craft of making the films improved as well as the team understood
0: what we were trying to do as well. Yeah what's your favorite moment, I guess, from this past season then? Because, you know, we talked about in in other times you guys have been on the call that, you know, you kind of go into events with a general idea of a story maybe you want to tell, but it never goes to plan. <laughs> you end up having to switch it up on the fly. I guess what's what's been kind of the most dramatic and, and one you, thing you've enjoyed as far as that change up for this season?
1: Personally, for me, I can't pinpoint a single point, but you brought up an interesting topic, which was the... Uh going in with the plan and I think we've talked about this on your podcast before are we veterans I think we're I'm on my fourth third third this is our third one anyway we've been we've been here a couple times in our earlier podcast we talked about like you said the idea of showing up with a story and then expecting it all to change and Warwick and I and our team often showed up at these events with the story expecting it to change and it frankly didn't we kept waiting for that shoe to drop when are they (laughs) going to screw up when are they not going to win the race when are they going to look bad when are they going to not make the right call when are they you know it was they gave us a lot of juicy stuff but every single time they were like no we're on track for this this is going the right way you know even when they didn't win the race like no this is the right direction even at ut uh, Utah for rallycross, not a good event, but you could see that they had the pace and you could see that they could do it. And for me, I thought the moment where I was like, okay, we're really doing this. We're going to talk about championships and we're going to bring it down to the final episode and we're going to do it for real was actually pretty early in the season when we were in Minnesota, when they had the audacity to throw a race because they thought it would help them win the race the next day. And I was like, "Oh, we're playing on this level now. Oh my. This is no joke. This is no joke at all. We're we're doing the real deal." And I, I was like, "Okay, we're not we're not in the minors, no more. This is this is all for <laughs> nothing. We're going for the cup. Here we go." And and that's pretty much what happened. And we chased that story right to the end. And the points were close, and I mean, you couldn't get a closer championship, but I just honestly believed like there was no question in my mind that this was the year that it was happening. And I don't think anyone on the team felt that like everyone on the team felt exactly the same way. We're doing it that's and we're doing it now. It was just a question of which driver. And I think that followed through. I mean, it did. We know it did in the end, but like my point was yeah. uh, we never we never uh, worried about a backstory or a secondary angle. Like if we if if they lost on the last race on the last corner on the last thing, it would have been just the most heartbreaking end of a season. But we would have put that down on the screen because we had all our ducks in that same basket.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that the team had a ton of confidence this year. There was still some like interplay between the drivers. Like we didn't know who was going to win, and suddenly Travis was on on the money. And so he was it, totally it, on it. Yeah. Yeah. So suddenly it was like, oh, it's like they, there's two leaders in this team now and they both have different strengths and we saw a little more of that interplay. They, they really help each other. Like Travis helps Scott and Scott helps Travis a ton, but it brought the whole team up together and everybody was so confident, even in those moments where they weren't, didn't have a great race or you, like Chris said, Utah, they they were looking so good. And then in the final, it kind of all fell apart. Um, that was
1: like a personal error. Like he just goofed it. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, it, and it kind of perched. It just kind of poached all the races. But yeah. honestly, they were the team that should have won that weekend. It just didn't go that way. But you could see the pace.
2: Yeah. And then in the rally too, like I really enjoyed
0: seeing Brandon get up to speed. Oh, man. It has been so nice to see because I was kind of questioning things for a bit with him. Like, is he is he finally going to get that where it clicks? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And it took till the last rally of the year, but you could see that he was gaining the experience he needed. He had the pace. Travis has said all along, actually, since like the very first test, that Brandon will kick his butt when these up to speed. And the first part of this year has proven that. If he hadn't DNF'd at Snowdrift, he would
0: have had four wins in a row. Was it uh, was it two years ago that Brandon in the dust at Hundred Acre was it that did that like blinding stage? Yeah. yeah, that everybody's I, like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, because uh, it, it was totally blind. You, you could not the, the the dust and everything. There was no way, and he blitzed everybody.
1: Yeah, he's my take on him is that he is actually a blistering fast driver when the conditions are difficult. Now every single rally driver says, "Oh, I want rain. I want mud. I want the hard conditions," but I actually think that. Brandon is that guy. If you're just going to talk about out someone on a dry stage with pure visibility, I would put my money on Travis. But that will lead to a crash eventually. And I know Brandon's had a few crashes, but I genuinely believe he's a far more calculated individual and he has such a good, clean driving style that when the conditions turn for the worst, he's in a better position than most. So I think I think that's where you see those strengths, like in the dust, like you said, and he just throws down a killer time. And um, at Snowdrift, he had like a six and a half minute lead or something like that before he had a gearbox problem, but he was destroying the field. It wasn't even funny. Like it was going to, how do you televise that? How, how do we edit a launch control on that? It just, he had, it was so dominant. So I think that's yeah. his move.
2: And then things like uh, Dallas Mountain Downhill. Yeah which is a real ballsy stage, like, with huge drops. Travis couldn't
0: touch him on that one. No, he couldn't. And uh, we even got a little bit of, I think last year, didn't we get a little bit of wet that came in? Yeah, we might have, yeah. Yeah, because, that's right, because we did it in the fall. Oh, that's right,
2: yeah, we had, yeah, in the truck, like, that truck,
0: there public civilian truck fell off the side of the road too oh yes there was that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh out on uh, when everybody's doing recce there was that civilian truck that uh ended up going down the bottom of the hill wasn't any of our people thankfully none of the media people either it was somebody local but uh oops yeah yeah those things happen those are stories too there's always a story in in rally and in rallycross um in in talking about that rallycross though the um the nitro series you know kind of the you know, reboot of rallycross, going to these new locations. I found I enjoyed rallycross again. You were saying it kind of earlier that the earlier seasons of what was uh, GRC, eh, what well, they tried everything. There were sprinklers, there were yeah. you know man-made jumps, some of them that could hurt people. There were all kinds of things, but these tracks and and even though they're being modified to you know work with the Nitro RX, damn, they're fun.
2: Yeah, I think well, I think the, the key thing is they've built permanent or semi permanent tracks. They're not trying to build a track out of a parking lot two days before the event is about to start. Yeah, and also Travis and his crew were hands on, making sure it worked, making sure it would drive well. Uh, there wasn't many tracks this year where they had to make like major changes or fix anything big time, so that was impressive.
1: Yeah, they they were fully dedicated to unique tracks. If you would hear some of the preseason planning and talking to like Christian Dell and stuff, talking about the tracks that would come, the main thing, he was like, it just has to be different and iconic. He's like, I want a snow race, a beach race, a desert race, a mountain race. I want, you know, one with 12 over-unders. I want one with, you know, like they don't, he doesn't care what it is. It just has to look different. And this year, if you look at all the tracks, there's very little similarity between each one. And that was what was so unique about each one. So you, as a rallyist, you come there and you're like, "Oh, the terrain is really different. Oh, this is, this looks different than last time. It's not just another parking lot with another ninety left at the end of the first straight." So it it was a uh, it, it took a lot of planning. I can't even imagine what they had to do to get that done. But it it definitely suited TV. It suited video, and you know more than the fans. As much as you enjoyed it the the thing i heard the most was the drivers were loving the tracks all the europeans who get all the praise for having all the great tracks are like these are amazing and it was constant and regular that they would praise those tracks
2: yeah the the like slow line and fast line combos worked so you if you took a gamble on the loose outside line you might actually get a good slingshot out and get a pass made so all these little like passing moments and dual line sections really worked um, I think that's probably big thanks to Travis and his vision. I think I think at one point they basically had to tell him like Travis, you're no longer in charge of the tracks. Like you've done your job, like, let us do away. our job. Go race, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he he was he was had his fingers in every single pie for sure. Like he was commentating on TV, he was racing, he was out in the digger telling them where to put dirt. And so I think the the Nitro people basically had to say thank you, Travis, but. Now's our turn. So.
0: Well, you know, it was his baby. T- you know, he wanted to invent and, and get this thing going. And yeah, obviously it's, it's turned into a success. And now we've got uh, what it, it's global now, right? For Nitro this year. Yeah.
1: yeah. I would say one one more thing about about I don't know if you watched that the broadcast or just watched launch control for us on launch control. It, it was a learning curve for us, too. We brought in um, Andrew Coley and uh, Dominic Wilde to give us an outside perspective of what was happening and that mattered a lot in the year because you know that that gave some people the opportunity to tell us what they saw from the outside and it was valuable information so we specifically in rallycross you need a lot of perspective of like oh no that jump is huge it doesn't just you know whatever the context is but if if people on the team go like oh this is really scary or this is really big every all the fans just go like oh yeah you always say that that's that's what it is for sure it's scary uh-huh sure 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 but when the outside people who have nothing to do with the team other than the fact that they were willing to sit down and do an interview with us tell you how real it is it makes you pay more attention so i thought that was a lesson that we learned in season 9 it took us 9 years to to realize someone else should tell the story too but uh it was a, it was valuable i think
0: you guys had stage rally of course you have the rally cross but then you guys also got Jim Connor yeah, and that car that insane o car plus the the kill climb too I mean just so many things that that all kind of coalesced into this perfection for 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 moments That's right here yeah, they yeah they won they won Mount Washington too that was a big moment for them because that's yeah new record yeah. Yeah, that car was, was a scary
1: wreck for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that 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 looked that looked pretty insane. Have you guys driven to the top of Mount Washington? I haven't been there yet, mm-hmm. but I've heard from friends just driving that road is, is is pretty insane just at regular road speeds. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. It, it is it is incredibly scary. I don't look down. I can't. <laughs> like we we take these like shuttle buses to get you to the spot where you're going to film. They're like basically like Kekano vans that have been lifted and souped up in their all-wheel drive. And they are they are only moving at 15 miles an hour up the hill, and they are the scariest thing. And you, you can literally see off the cliff. No, I, I don't look. I avoid it. And it's very, very scary. And the road is actually significantly, it's a very rough road, even though it's paved. If you were to compare it to Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak is a highway it's wide it's smooth people who race there basically have almost f1 level suspension very little travel and those cars when they come to mount washington they break because they just don't have the suspension to do it so it's a rough rally road up a scary mountain it's petrifying
2: Mm, makes me want tarmac rallies (laughs) and there's and there's no co-driver so you have to memorize every little kink and especially the bottom half of the mountain it's all in the trees so every corner kind of looks the same like a left is a left a right is a right and you can't see the around them it's
1: very um, indistinct
2: yeah and the how Travis manages to memorize those and know where he can push and he gets every last
0: tenth out of that thing that's just that's just crazy but but another again big success uh, for the team and for you guys um, so so what have you guys had to change up from filming and directing wise? as you guys move into getting this season nine, and then we'll talk in a second about uh, the new launch control.
1: Season nine was an evolution from season eight. Season eight is the COVID year, where we couldn't tell the story the way we had been telling it for the seven seasons before that, where we had no choice but to introduce interviews, long-form interviews, to help fill in some gaps that we literally just couldn't film because of COVID. So we started with that. That was a. It was a an emergency measure to fix a problem that we couldn't address any other way. And then it was very successful. People actually told us they really liked the COVID year, which was like an abridged, shortened version. But they got a lot more comments from uh, the team. So in season nine, we incorporated that. And that was probably the biggest change was a full season with a full calendar with rally and rally cross and, and all this perspective internally from the guys telling us what was happening. Uh, That combination was unique for season nine on a full season level. And then we double it down by getting in the journals in there and really expanding out the perspective side of things. And then on site, our goal was really just capture what's happening and stay out of the way as much as possible. We didn't have to intervene much and get so many interviews. I mean, we were there, we were doing it, but you, you could take the opportunity to say like, this is a moment where I probably shouldn't interject. And if this is your only chance to talk to someone, you're gonna interject. But because you knew you had a, a backhanded option with sit down interview later, you You could let that moment play out and not disrupt it, which was valuable as well right so that's that's a lot of what season nine was was trying to catch it as it was happening, but avoid getting like interfering with it
0: just try and be the get the microphones and cameras to be the fly on the wall and just kinda and then if you needed to, you always had the backup,
1: yeah, get as close as you have to, but no closer <laughs> yeah. and also we
2: we found. It's always better to have the people in the story tell the story. Um, you don't want to rely on voiceover too much to have to explain things because it drags a little bit. Um, voiceover should be sort of the link between thoughts. Mm-hmm. And Brian, Brian has such a good voice for that sort of yep. gravitas and the anchor to like ground the story. But then you need the excitement or the drama from the
0: people in the story. Um, so using them more was it was good for the show. So now moving into the transition of launch control, and uh, I don't know if I can say this, but you know we had discussed before that maybe launch control, at least as it was called launch control before, was going to maybe end, but now it's transitioning. Um, I, I think it's because you are switching to a new format. So why don't you kind of explain? Yeah, launch control new, and you know how did that come about?
2: Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier. How like season nine was such a perfect wrap up to nine years or 10 plus years of effort from a team, they achieved all their goals, like Mount Washington again, rally championship, rally cross championship, all in a year. And like, where do you go from there from a storyteller's perspective? It's really, it's really hard to build on that.
1: Not only that, we really, in season one, set out to do that. We're going to win these two disciplines. Yeah. And and then, then you do it and it takes nine years. You didn't do it in season one. You did it in season nine. So now what?
0: Yeah, goal achieved. Finally, but goal achieved. Oh, crap, check. now what? <laughs> yeah, <And it, laughs> check.
2: Exactly. I, think, I think, honestly, too, like, Chris and I were probably like, okay,
0: we've been kind of doing the same show for nine years. Like, is there something different we can do? And it's not like it's any less compelling each season, right? I mean, there's always, as we know, you know, Rally and Rallycross, they always have some sort of drama just built in.
1: Yeah. But it was I, so I high. That, yeah. It was so high. So, so, okay, we're all the way at the top of the mountain, and you ask yourself, if I do another season, is it gonna go all the way to the top of the mountain or are we not? And are we just doing the same thing and we're gonna end up three quarters of the way up the mountain or whatever? You, you don't know. But this we had like the perfect storm. Yeah.
2: So and it, it, sometimes it's better to go out on top.
1: Yeah. Um, so we had so that... we we bro we broached the conversation with Subaru that it was probably time to make a change and Warwick and I initially felt like, well, that that should end launch control. We should probably say that was that. That was an amazing run and do something new. And in our minds, it meant um, ending launch control. But the it was interesting. The perspective that we got from Subaru was that they didn't feel the same way. They were open to new to changing everything. But they they didn't see it as ending launch control. They they saw it more like making a launch control 2.0, a newer, different version of it.
2: We, we and- saw it as a TV show. Like, okay, this series of a TV show is ending. Like, Game of Thrones is ending.
0: Yeah. And by the way, speaking of nine seasons, I mean, how many TV shows make that long of a run? Yeah, it's a
2: good run. It's <laughs> impressive. But yeah, so they saw it more as a brand. Mm-hmm. We had built this thing up and... It was an an identifiable brand within the Subaru Motorsports world. And so they're like, well, we don't want to just throw away this great brand that has been developed. So that's when this new kind of thought came along where, okay, launch control is now the umbrella over a bunch of different things. And it gives us the freedom to start playing around with things and changing things up and trying new things. So that's where we're headed in season 10.
1: Yeah. So season 10 basically has for the umbrella for this year and for now, and probably for a while, let's hope, is that uh, launch control has sort of been broken into three categories. The one is the rundown category, which is your, you know, your rally event videos, the sort of cornerstone of launch control in the past. And then you have special events. Um, which we've announced that we're obviously we we went to Goodwood. So that's a special event video and the Road to Gymkhana series, which we've done a few in the past, and there's obviously a new Gymkhana. So there's that. And then thirdly, uh, the third part of the umbrella is a mini series called Next Stage, and it's very early stage for us. So I don't even know what I would say about it, other than it will be the story of building the next WRX rally car. Exactly how that fits together is definitely still under construction um but it's okay because the car is still very much in the early stage of under construction so um, we're building with them and we're going to see where it goes and learning on a deeper level than launch control has ever done a deep dive into building hopefully what is the next championship winning car so that it's an exciting thing for us because we've never hyper focused on something so much in that way so could be uh, could be uh, it'll be a new thing for the fans and a new thing for us
2: yeah it gives us a chance to deep dive on some of the technology and the the shop side of things that we we've touched on in the past but haven't really been able to nerd out on so
0: i love that stuff i mean as an example and and sorry to interrupt but you know obviously i like all this rally stuff um Sport's done videos where they talk about they have this giant board for all the wiring loom design mm-hmm. for the car, and they route this thing on this giant board to lay it all out. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever, just for laying out wiring. And it's like, and of course, <laughs> companies like Subaru and Vermont Sports Car, they're doing similar things. And I think the public needs to see that stuff. Cause it's really cool. These other technologies you have to put together to build the thing.
2: Yeah 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 there's a reason there's a reason these cars win championships year after year and that's because they're just so detail-oriented and everything is thought of so we got to try and show how that is done and also this car is being built to the new rule set so we kind of need to explain the new rule set for ara as well at the same time like why why is there a new rule set what's the issue and what are we trying to solve with these new cars so that'll be part of it i think.
1: And. And I'm I understand there are people out there like you, Mike, who get really, really excited about tech. And I am not one of those people. So <laughs> when you're when you're building launch controls and I'm thinking I need to like grab as all the people I can grab, I'm not thinking like, well, let's do six and a half minutes on wiring. You know, like it's just not how I envision grabbing people. But I know there's that market out there, and I know there's people that are really into it. And at the same time, I have spent uh, probably nine years talking about how there are various characters in Launch Control, and the car is one of them. And it's a character that I have spent very little time developing as a storyteller. So this is that chance. I'm going to get techie. I'm going to work through it. and We're all going to do it, and we're going to have a, a technical mini series for people like you, Mike. And I'm going to do it for you.
2: It's going <laughs> to happen. Is, we're Chris, all... is gonna, Chris is going to learn to love it. I, I
1: love you, Chris. <laughs> I, when I dig deep, I really enjoy it. But it, I just, it's hard when you're trying to build a show for everyone. And I think that's what's exciting about the new format, is that I can have this series. We can have this series over here, this mini series. That's going to get really technical, but I still have the action-packed rundowns and the special events and all the stuff, which is that won't get so deep on the tech side. So. It actually works out better because in the middle of a championship story to take time out and talk about wiring is going to be really hard for a storyteller. So this <laughs> puts things into chapters, into places, and and I think it's going to be really awesome when people get to see it.
2: Yeah, When the, I get to see it. Yeah. The other benefit, too, like these rally rundowns, we've been kind of building the, this whole program up this spring, so things are coming out a little later. But the first episode comes out on, on July 27th. And that covers the first couple of events of the year. And then over the next following weeks, we'll get caught up on the rest of the season up to this point. And then by the time we get to Ojibwe, I think we should be on the schedule where the rally rundown episode comes out about two weeks after each event. So it'll be much more timely. The issue with launch control is we kind of had to work backwards from the end of the season. Right. So you'd have a rallycross event beginning of December. Well, okay. So from there, you have to extrapolate the last episode's going to come out in February and work your way backwards. So this this gives us a chance to be much more current and uh, give people the rally story as it happens.
0: Obviously more timely, uh, obviously more pressure on getting editing done, but tell, tell me what won't we get. Like, uh, we, you know, obviously it's a different format. Yeah. I'm guessing they're going to be shorter than in, in in how we do these, because you got kind of, you don't have to tell all of these parts in a single story per episode. You're Now that you're breaking it up, uh, explain kind of the planned... I guess length for these and and things like that.
1: Oh, you got it. Keep going, Mike. That's right. <laughs> shorter, yep, what else?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of no. assuming because I mean editing is a lot of work, and man, if you're gonna get stuff out in two weeks with all the content you guys get, I mean, just reviewing that content, that's gotta be insane, yeah, it,
1: it involves some scheduling to make sure you just have enough bodies to to work through the material. but uh yeah, yeah they're 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 gonna be come they're gonna come out faster. Uh, they are shorter. They're not going to be like 3 minutes, don't worry. Uh they're they're we're aiming for a 12 minute range show for for the rundowns, but they will be That's good. In, I like that. Yeah, and they're going to be high quality production still, so the look and feel will feel like the same sort of level of production as previous launch controls, although the pacing and some of the storytelling aspects are going to change quite a bit. Some people might appreciate this. I'm sure many will be sad, um, but they are not voiceover-driven episodes. So uh, the voice of Launch Control will not be in the season this year.
0: Oh, I like Voice of Brian. The Voice yeah. of Brian is amazing.
1: We we love Voice of Brian. It was a tough decision. It had been something that had been floated for quite a few years, um, and we fought for years to keep him. And But if you're making a a large change in the series and rethinking how it works. That was one of the things that was a an obvious marker that you could point to of how this was going to evolve. So we made that decision and and we've also, in, it allows us to increase the pace of the shows. They're a little bit snappier and a little faster and we spend uh, a little more emphasis on graphics to tell some of the stories mm-hmm. and it's, but it's it, it's still i don't know how to explain it it's more casual but without losing any of the sincerity or importance of everything that's happening it's it's not like a big haha comedy show but we do find some humor in there as well so it's it's it is changing quite a bit people will have to tell us what they think but uh it is, is it's going to be very new very interesting i'm i'm curious i'm i'm Work and I have been talking about it because we knew we were coming on this podcast. So, oh, what are we going to talk about? And we ended up just having a bit of a gush session on the on the new edits because we're really we're really excited about it. So, the only fear we have is what if no one agrees with us? <laughs> I, I'm sure they will. I,
2: I think it's it's certainly rec- it's recognizable as launch control. It still has that feel. It has that coverage, the great footage, all the same characters telling the story, but just a. A freshen up of launch control. Like it, yeah, as Chris said, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I think everybody will like it still. And it's just a little more, a little fresher up and keeps us on our toes too to give us something new to work with.
0: Well, I think what you two have, as creatives, have come up with for the last nine seasons kept everybody's attention and, and done really well. So I can't imagine this will fall off the mark from what I think people will be interested in. But it does also, like you said, you've been kind of doing the same format for so long it probably gets those creative juices redoubled. I mean, just you're like, wow, I I got a new thing I can do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: I'll
1: give you an example of this. So all the launch controls are usually edited by multiple editors. And, And we have this area in our offices called the bullpen and it's four edit suites that basically are all in a tiny room together. And when they edit launch control, they all edit in that room. And, and, For the past couple of years, you know, it's a pretty quiet room and they're just clicking away and making their edits. And I'll come in and we'll review some stuff and we we kind of work through it. But this year, with this new format and all this new stuff, I have excited editors. I have guys, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, look at this funny (laughs) little thing. Look at this, look at what I did here. Like, I'll give you an example. We had to figure out a way to, without saying, without a voiceover, say, like one month ago. How do you do a flashback without expressing that? And we, for, for the nine years ah, we used,
0: yeah. you know,
1: three weeks earlier, the team was here, you know, boom, I've done a flashback. So how do you do it now? So we actually created a graphic and we have like, it says flashback in three, two, one. And then we added the sound of like, you know, downhill skiing, like, the, you know, that de- 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 <laughs> we put that in yes, it, and they were just losing their mind how creative they were, this simple little thing. but. it it was like such a little moment that they had and they were like, that's a great flashback. And anyway, every single piece of the process has been thinking up these new ways to present this thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of really exciting and they're excited and we're having a lot of fun. So I think when you get editors that are stoked on the stuff they're doing, it's probably going to work out in the edit and people are probably going to like it. So that's the hope anyway.
2: It's also changed how we've shot on location too. So now we have to remember like, okay, we need to go get somebody to set the scene. Like, where are we? What are we doing? you you got to get the team to tell the story now. Mm-hmm. We can't just, like, before you'd be like, okay, Brian will say, hey, we're in New Hampshire, blah, blah, blah. Now we have to get somebody to say that. So it's kind of interacting with the team a little more. And they, they've all understood what we're trying to get at right away. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll We'll tell the story. And it's been really good, so. That's
1: they gave us us some guff early on. Early on, they're like, Oh, you're back for another interview. Weren't you here like 12 (laughs) minutes ago? Yeah, I was. (laughs) Now we're at a new service. You got to do it again. Yeah,
0: it's
1: it's a learning curve for everyone, but it's been fun.
0: Yeah, well, it says marketing dollars makes everyone's paycheck. So, (laughs) right. (laughs) So, I think we all understand that. You
1: said it, I didn't. Well,
0: I mean, and you to should be tell fair, everyone that to be fair, yeah, no. all of motorsports, you know, for the most part is funded from marketing dollars. Right. All top tier stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just that's just the way it is. If you win a for race sure.
1: in the woods and no one tell no one filmed it, did you win a race in the woods?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so where can we view all these new episodes? What, what what places are you guys putting? Obviously, we know YouTube yep. has been the go to for for a long time. Are there any other differences as far as where you're gonna? You know, with this ten minute format, does it allow ten to twelve minute? Um, does it allow expansion to other areas?
2: Yeah, we had a, we had a big meeting this spring about this because everything changes so fast. So true. Obviously, like stories, stories and reels and whatever little snippets are they perform really well on social media. And so it's this big discussion of like, well, where does long form fit in? Where does this short stuff fit in? And we were trying to repurpose long format for the short format and the short format for the long format. And we just had a big meeting and we, we sat down for a full day with all the different people involved and kind of segmented things a little more like, okay, here's the target we're trying to hit with that. Here's the target we're trying to hit with that. This is where long stuff should go. This is where short stuff should go. And so this is, uh, it's really refreshing to have a strategy going in. So now we have all the tools working together and pulling in the same direction. We know where things fit. And we're not trying to cross over too much. So the long format will live on Facebook and YouTube. That's kind of where all that stuff will live. The the social clips and things will start pointing to those to get people there, but also will just be its own thing. We won't always be trying to cross promote. If you're following a rally live, you can look out all the reels and streams as they happen. If you want to just tune in the week after, it'll be on YouTube. So that's that's basically where things are going to live.
0: Like I said, a lot of us we already have bookmarked or subscribed or whatever we're uh, where we've been watching before. So I'm glad that's not going to change too much for those that are uh, already using a certain format. But it's always that playing that algorithm game though too with all these different platforms, and that boggles my mind. It drives me nuts. Nobody knows how to do it. Nobody,
1: nobody, even the experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is chasing the algorithm, and they and it's constantly changing. It's it was, it was actually that same meeting that that Warwick was just talking about. The amount of time that was spent just to discuss how one video does well in one format or whatever. The time expressing how the algorithm was working as a, as we understood it at that meeting was uh, surprisingly long. And for a video guy, it, it's painful for me to sit through that because I'm like, can I just go edit some stuff, <laughs> make a <laughs> video? But I, I understand the importance, but it is painful to to work through that. But it, what's interesting is, you know, the short answer is, is that uh, Facebook was a bad place for long videos for a while and YouTube was the good place. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of sifted back a little bit. There is a place for Facebook where long format does well. And so it means that uh, launch control gets to re-enter the Facebook video phase as well. So you'll be able to have a, in, if you're already subscribed to YouTube, it doesn't matter. You're going to get it, no problem. But um, if you happen to be scrolling through Facebook, you can
0: stumble upon it as well. That's awesome. Obviously, I, I kind of follow through through both avenues. But the, I guess one thing that, you know, Facebook does do good if it suits their algorithm is, you know, good ways of notifying you or putting it, you know, right there in, the, in your feed where you're going to see it. Instead of uh, it being buried behind whatever they think is more popular, they seem to.
2: Yeah, there there were certainly a couple of years, like in recent years, they would just bury anything over 60 seconds. It wouldn't go anywhere. So the past couple of seasons of Launch Control, you would have noticed on Facebook, we post the trailer with a link to YouTube. Yep. But now I think we're going to try that differently again. Um, We'll post it natively into Facebook again. Just see where it goes. It's all a trial and error, and but we've yeah. seen certainly more recently that Facebook, with its watch program, is trying to get more long format content again.
1: Yeah, and the um, a lot of the trailers and lead-ins to the episodes now are, are more focused on Instagram Reels and story length promos, so... You'll you'll inevitably see that and hopefully lead to the the bigger videos. So uh, it should be readily, readily available for anyone, and it's not behind a paywall anywhere. So awesome! Uh, don't don't miss it.
0: Awesome. Well, <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah. excited for that. I guess the other thing I was going to ask is, I mean, you guys are still at these events. You guys are always getting great coverage uh, of scenery and, and other just kind of great footage, and and I, so much of it ends up on the cutting room floor. Are we going to see some fun like outtakes now that are going to come out, uh, some historic stuff from back from uh, bringing back old cuts from th- that? that Maybe we on the cutting room floor that now it's like, wow, this is a cool thing we should actually show later and whatnot. Because you guys have so much stuff built up, op- uh, built up over the years.
1: True we answer.
0: We use most of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, true answer is probably not as much as I would love to go back and dig deep into stuff. There's so many complications—a change of drivers, or change of sponsors, or change of this, a change of that. It's just a constant uh, evolution. And even today, just to do a flashback to a, something that happened a few years ago, we have to really have a conversation of: Is this something we can show, or should we show, or should we not? Gotcha. The time, honestly, as long as it's pushing a for a current story forward, there's no no problem with doing a flashback. But doing a a retrospective for just for the fun of it is probably not going to happen just because of how complicated that can be. And honestly, if we had more funny outtakes that we're, they, they wouldn't be on the floor, especially this year, I would say in the moving, moving forward, if anyone does anything funny, we're putting it on camera. Like we put, awesome. we put Brandon, Semenuk eating ice cream on camera. Like we're, we're just whatever it takes. Uh, we're going to put,
0: I think he tries to not be funny, which sometimes can make him funny. Yeah, oh, he's, he's, he's a funny guy, yeah. <laughs> he's
1: a pretty <laughs> funny guy. He's just not loud, but he True, is very, yeah. he's very funny. There's, there's a moment where Dave Clark is trying to find Travis Pastrana because I think he lost a bet and owes him an ice cream, but the ice cream is melting so fast and he can't find Travis and Brandon's like, well, I'm taking it. <laughs> and like <laughs> love Brandon, it. Brandon like eating an ice cream that's really not for him, but he's like, I don't care. I'm taking this ice cream. <laughs> so that's great. It's like we find it, find whatever we can. And honestly, if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave something on the floor. But uh, I, I don't expect us to go back and and dig through some stuff. I I'd also in, in
2: in practicality, like the stuff from the early years is no longer on the server. You got to go to like. The offsite storage and get the hard drive and pull it in. And, yeah,
0: so that's true. Yeah, yeah. Work that's, that's a... knows
1: this because when a request comes in for old footage, he sees the bill. That I send
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's
1: like, "Oh, that, that was not I, easy."
2: Yeah, it, my emails for those like if it's
1: possible, can we?
0: Yeah. And I'm like,
1: sure, billing by the hour.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep. uh, I'm yeah. an IT guy. I know what uh, cold storage is like and how yeah. how uh, fun it is to get that stuff off of there. Ugh. Yeah. Not an enjoyable process for sure. And, yeah. and
1: over the years, we've gone from shooting in high def to shooting in 4K to some of our cameras being in 6 and 8K now.
0: Wow, and, really?
1: Uh, so the storage is is uh, is problematic. We used to keep two to two and a half years of launch control live at all times so that we could do those flashbacks really easily. And it's just impossible now. So we we literally don't even have, we, we have zero seasons live at any given time. We have only the current on now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, that's funny just how much that's changed because it used to be like storage, you know, kept getting cheaper and cheaper over time for, for you know, the, the amount of gigabytes or whatever. And it has. As we've gone to SSDs, which are, you know, faster storage. And we've also still got, you know, spinning disks that can hold quite a bit. Can you tell I'm an IT guy? Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: Um, Don't worry. We can, I can go down that road with right you, though.
0: The thing is, is it hasn't caught uh, the, the technology on the on the video side has exploded faster than the storage can keep up.
1: Yeah, and it's they're big investments up front, and then you have to kind of live with that choice. So, yeah, we, I mean, we recently added uh, 140 terabytes of storage <laughs> with a new terabytes. server, and <laughs> and that's just one of them. We have three, so it's a it's uh, a constant battle.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. And then of course you always have to do that by multiples because you have to back everything up. Yeah. yeah. And we, you have we... to wonder
1: how how many other projects you're going to get from other clients and so on. So you, you're always battling that decision and then trying to work within it. So it's a, it's challenging
2: going, going to an event with a two terabyte drive used to be no problem. Like we'd fit everything on two
0: terabytes. Now it's like eh, four might do it. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's just impressive. And, and again, just shows the 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 quality of content you guys keep giving us again for free. We get, we get all this great stuff. One of my favorite things though, that you guys had at the end of a lot of the um, launch control episodes is you did have like kind of these, these scenery shots that were kind of put in at the end from some of your awesome photographers and whatnot. You still going to do something like that in with the, uh, this new shorter format. We're going to do
1: those on the special editions and the mini series, but awesome. not on the rundowns. Okay. That's the current, that's the current plan. The current plan for the rundowns is there won't be any credits at all. It'll be like, uh, and that was the episode. Goodbye. Gotcha. Okay. And <laughs> so.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's that punchy thing you're going for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before the the other launch control was really
1: like a showy show, and this is more like a uh, a punchy, very very good web video, and it's it's more suited to where it's actual where its platform actually is. Whereas the other ones are a little more specialized and a little more there's more in sit down interviews and 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 maybe even a voiceover or some of it we're not sure still being discussed, and those will have a little more life to them so they may get credits so
0: it's it's a
1: work in process in progress
0: well exciting stuff
1: But yeah th- those photographers are amazing right we, oh we honestly... some of
0: the shots i mean i've got many a friend and some of them are are, are the folks that work with you guys uh, that uh that are photographers out there and those especially that know lighting and and just to get just i mean they kind of like you go into a you know with with an idea you know into an episode you know, they're envisioning, you know, they've been to some of these events before and they're like, I know where to get that. The lighting's going to be just perfect at this time of day, the cars are going to go by and this is the shot. And some of those are just downright stunning.
1: Yeah. We, we, um, when we started doing that, we made sure that we, I mean, we were affecting those shots. We were adding moving particles and and doing a bit of a, a video treatment on top of the photo treatment, but we, we, we very cognizant that they were already great photos in in their own right and didn't require such heavy manipulation so yeah there was a, an effort to not not go too far and not and we wanted the photographers to look at their images and be like yep that was my shot even though you did some stuff to it you didn't destroy it awesome so it was <laughs> it, it was a thought process for sure
0: awesome so once again we have three parts of launch control going forward into season 10 it's Rally Rundown, Next Stage. What was the other one called?
1: And Special Editions. So the Special Editions will will be under their own name. So it will, it will be Goodwood and uh, Road to Gymkhana and whatever else might come up. There may be more that is not determined, but not not denied either. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, I'm definitely excited for you guys.
1: Oh, we're excited. It's a, it's a fun new world
0: ever thought we'd get to 10 seasons so we're pretty stoked yeah very true to wrap things up though i'm I, as a fellow pilot I, I gotta stop and ask warwick here uh, how many hours you got now
2: <laughs> uh i think i just crossed 500 actually so wow that was a big
0: moment well now you're approaching uh what they call the danger zone though i think it right I think it, did i just get out of the danger zone i think it was 250 to 500 was okay because of that you know that point where pilots are complacent yeah. right they've like learned yeah. so much but yet they they think that they kind of are, are overconfident and can get make mistakes totally. so awesome yeah. that you're uh getting past that threshold me i haven't flown for several years and i gotta get back up again but uh yeah, that's awesome come up,
2: to, come up to squamish and
0: come playing. well the weather's good for it right now isn't it yep <laughs> uh, i'm actually head, heading to
2: uh oshkosh next week for air venture
0: <gasps> you're going to air venture yep oh. uh, we're work, working for uh flight shops uh doing some video stuff for him That is very cool. And of course you're going to, you've got your podcast you've been doing.
2: Yeah. I haven't done an episode in months because I don't have time, but I have four in the can that I just need somebody to edit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally understand that. (laughs) But uh, that's the, the flying BC podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So So hopefully make sure for those of you that are pilots out there or like pilot stuff or just like work, we love work yeah, yeah. um you know make sure you subscribe to that and listen it's it's always a good listen you you've had some crazy I think that one of the most compelling ones I think I listened to was the uh the guys working on the electric beaver I mean just think of electric airplanes you know in use um and they're testing it now I mean yeah and and this is not a small plane no it's been, it's uh
2: pretty much a couple flights every month I think it's going up and they're testing it and improving the battery packages. So and, cool! Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So cool.
0: Anyways, I I diverged a little bit, uh, uh, and, and and Chris, of course, you got your little youngins. You're taking care of. How old are they now?
1: Uh, Jonah is three and a half, and Layla is six months as of today. So wow, the sleep is at a premium, but it is going well, and they're very cute kids and uh, very happy kids. So whoever that's why... That. Yeah, that's why
2: you
0: haven't seen Chris at events this spring. <laughs> <laughs> that's very understandable. Yes, uh, you have daddy duties.
1: Daddy duties. Yeah. No, but it's it's good. There, uh, my son's already a car kid, so he's into F one. We watch F one together, and um, he likes to talk about the fast cars. Ooh. And uh, he has uh, he knows the Subarus. He knows Daddy drives a Subaru, and he recognizes the badge. So he's he's uh, he's in it. We'll see what happens. Not pushing it, but he's he sort of gravitated to it. He doesn't even realize that his dad makes videos about cars for a living. So we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Well, you know, exposure is everything, right?
1: Yeah. 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 But but not you know, he's you know, if he loved ballet, I would be happy with that too. You know, it's just uh he's he seems really excited about fast and big things. So those are the things that take priority. He's really into dinosaurs too. Let's give him. Let's give him that. Yeah, they,
0: they're big <laughs> things, and uh, yeah. you know some of them were fast.
1: Uh, yeah, at three, at three and a half, he can name about ten dinosaurs. So he's 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 into it. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be on the Rallycast podcast and telling us about what's coming new. First episodes, as you said, you said around July when?
2: July twenty seventh.
0: July twenty seventh. Then okay. uh,
2: the. The plan is to have a weekly release moving forward from there up until we're caught up around Ojibwe time. So you'll have a summer of launch control. Excellent. Everybody should go, and if you're on Facebook, join the Subaru launch control page and let us know what you think once you see them.
0: Definitely. Yeah, give in those comments. And I guess the other thing is you guys can, with feedback, kind of change things up a little bit as necessary because it is being edited so much faster and whatnot, you know, that you're doing it this different format. So uh, I think that's exciting too. You can... Adapt as you develop.
2: Absolutely, yeah. and if there's if there's people, if there's things that people want to see, in particular, like if like, hey, I don't understand this part of rally. Can you explain it? We can try and fit that into an episode or um, into a social post, something
0: like that. So yeah, send Very us your cool. feedback. We are going to start thinking of ideas to send you guys. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, gentlemen. Uh, have a good night and uh, good luck with the new season ten. We're really excited about it. thanks thanks for having us we really appreciate it all right take care bye-bye you know what i hate big bulky underperforming batteries lighten your load with performance battery from melee design firm they have time-tested solutions for your race car Rally car, or even your daily commuter. Make sure you check us out at meleedesignfirm.com, a proud sponsor of the Open Paddock Rallycast since 2020. Thanks again to our supporters Oz Rally Pro and Melee Design Firm, and a special thanks to you who have donated to the Rallycast. It looks like I'm going to have to step up my game as our good friends over at the Absolute Rally Podcast in the UK are calling it quits after seven years. Um, I've actually been a guest on their show back when I was doing stuff with ARA, and they wanted to know what things were going on over here. Great show, and I'm going to miss it. They covered mostly WRC and some of the stuff that was going on local to them, as we cover mostly ARA here. But I completely understand, you know, how hard it is to try and put up regular content uh, while being committed to your family, your day job, having a life outside of rallying. It, it's not easy. So thank you to them for all they've done to help just uh, expand the knowledge of rallying. Um, I, I really appreciate those guys over there. So uh, Tony Simpson and the gang, wish you all well. And hopefully you're not uh, complete strangers because uh, your input was always valued. And also a big thank you to our audio engineer, Derek Johnson-Love, who not only makes me sound gooder, er but uh, also puts in some fun sounds for us uh, with the cars. So uh, he also got some new software and upgraded his computer, so I expect this one to be extra good. Uh, no pressure, Derek. Anyway, I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening. <laughs> champion hello Jack banging on my left there hello Jack hello, Tony. possibly our last episode you enjoy that